Thanks for listening to the Roman Circus Podcast, a current 12-day dive into the wonder and amazement of the Christmas season. I'm Matt Baker, and with me, as always, is Zach Yule Log Mabry. Zach, we have Day 7, the Seven Sacraments, or otherwise known in the famous song as Seven Swans a-Swimming. To help us talk about this day, we have... Former Anglican cleric, turned Catholic convert, and basically all around wonderful gentleman, Shay Gilliland. Welcome to the show, Shay. Uh, thanks, guys. It's it's an honor to be on the show. Big fan of the podcast. And, and we're a big, ooh nice. There we go. And we're a big fan of you. Now you you're in Dallas, so Zach and you uh, know each other and have gone to mass together, right? Here. Yeah, Zach and I go way back to like two or three weeks ago uh, <laughs> when we met in person. Um, I have attended his parish a few times. My wife and I uh, attend an ordinary parish out here, but um, the fraternity parish is closer to us. So when we're late for mass to the ordinary parish, we go to we go to Zach's parish. So we met him there. Okay, do you have any, the, the people want to know if you have any insights, what are your real thoughts about Zach Mabry? Did he, did he meet your expectations, exceed them? Did he come a little short? What's the deal? <laughs> uh, he, he met and exceeded all expectations. Uh, he is indeed as cute as the Little Rascals uh, little video <laughs> clip would have us believe. Uh, and he was a perfect gentleman. He bought me brunch. So that was really nice. Um, and yeah, it was an all around good time. Okay. That, that... We, uh, we, Matt, we went to Joe's Coffee Shop, which you've never been to, but um, as soon as you come to Dallas, that's where you'll be, what's where we'll, we'll be going after Mass. So it was, a big, it was a big day. Zach, this is day seven, which means this is the December 31st, which means currently I am in Dallas visiting you on this day. That's right. I'm so glad that you're here. So I'm probably sitting next to you as we like as we're as everyone is listening to this. They can just pretend that we're in the same spot. Okay. All right. And it sounds like because we just have such good audio. <laughs> That's right. All right. So Shay, uh, with the seven sacraments, we wanted to get into a little bit of the differences in the view of the sacraments between the Anglicans and the Catholics, and having you. You, you've been a part of both, so you would know. But first of all, kind of explain to us what an Anglican cleric is, for those of us who don't know. Sure. So uh, Anglicans have, just like Catholics do, the sort of threefold order, threefold orders of uh, deacon, priest, and bishop. Mm-hmm. I was, uh, when I converted, a transitional deacon. So just like in the Catholic Church, uh, priests have to go through a period of the diaconate before they're ordained priest. Uh, Anglicans do it the same way. So I was a transitional deacon for 10 months before I left my parish and joined the Catholic Church. Um, But yeah, it's pretty much the same in Anglicanism. You get get deacon, priest, and bishop. Okay. All right. So then the ordinariate, that's the, the ordinariate is the, uh, the masses of the Anglicans that were brought back into the faith, correct? 
Right. So Pope Benedict um, in 2009, I think it was, um, promulgated, uh, oh gosh, I can't remember the name, Anglicanorum Chaitibus, which basically set up the personal ordinariate um, for ex-Anglicans, or for Anglicans rather, to come into full communion with the Holy See, uh, to fully become Catholic, but to retain some of their uh, Anglican patrimony. Mm-hmm. So our liturgy is uh, unique. We have a unique uh, form of the Mass called Divine Worship, which has retained some of the Anglican elements of liturgy, and um, our priests have been uh, largely given a dispensation. The convert priests, anyway, have been given a dispensation from the celibacy rule. Mm-hmm. So, like, my pastor uh, is married and has kids and grandkids. Um, our seminarians, however, all, just like it's standard, have to take the sort of vow of celibacy. But uh, if you were already an Anglican priest who was married and then converted to become a Catholic priest, um, yeah, you could become a priest and not divorce your wife, which is nice. Very nice. Obviously, since we don't we don't have divorce in the in the Catholic Church, so. Yeah, Pope Benedict decided not to invent Catholic divorce so that Anglican priests could come in, which I think was wise. <laughs> yes. No, they just all send their wives to this one monastery. That's right. <laughs> okay. Um, so coming in, your first impression, like what was there? Did you have a different impression about the sacraments or did you come into Catholicism and was there something you noticed right away about the sac how the sacraments are done or how it they're received or kind of thought about yeah i mean i so so i think there's certainly um a more of an emphasis on living a sacramental life Mm -hmm. um and by that i mean i mean because anglicans will talk about living a sacramental life and that's that's very much a part of their piety as well but uh, the sacraments aren't as uh, strongly enforced, I guess you will. So confession is optional in Anglicanism. Um, it's something that you can do if you want to, but uh, the rule, like what I learned in seminary when I was training for the priesthood was um, with confession, they say all, all may, none must, some should. Um, so it's basically treated as kind of a therapeutic, like if you really have something weighing on you, that's bothering you, some sin that you're dealing with, and you really, really, really want to hear another Christian say that you have absolution, like you can go do that and that's great. And that'll be psychologically therapeutic for you, Mm -hmm. but it's not necessarily any different than just praying to God and asking for forgiveness for your sins. Is there, Uh, whereas I'm sorry, is there a like a sense of all are saved then type thing around it? Um, I mean, it depends on who you ask. I think in Anglicanism that there are certainly Anglican universalists out there. Um, mm. I think most sort of traditional Anglicans would, you know, not necessarily, not necessarily say all are saved. They would probably just say salvation is not dependent upon, uh, being in a state of grace in the way that we treat it in the Catholic church. Okay. Um, you know, I think they would probably say that the Eucharist absolves all sins, even mortal sins, if they recognize the distinction between mortal and venial sins. That's another debate within Anglicanism. Right. Um, so, it's, yeah, it's again, it's just less of an emphasis on the sort of like daily uh, strong sense of a sacramental life. OK. All right. Um, did you 
so then as far as can, cause that's a, that way of tackling confession is always, I don't know why anyone would go to confession if the, if that's kind of the rules. Like I, I know I certainly wouldn't have, is it just cause you're feeling super guilty and you just want to tell someone or is it what, like how, when you were going through that and they said all may none must some will some shit was it some yeah all, all may some should none must yeah okay so then what was your thought like well what's the did you have any thought of like is there there's no purpose to going to this or there's no point yeah so that that always really bothered me um because I so I was raised Southern Baptist, which has uh, no sacraments. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I became an Anglican, I entered Anglicanism into a stream of the church, which is very Catholic-looking, mm-hmm. um, Catholic aesthetics and its theology. And then there are, of course, more evangelical branches of Anglicanism. There are more liberal branches of Anglicanism. But uh, when I became an Anglican, I essentially thought I had become Catholic because they, they had a strong teaching on the sacraments and a strong teaching on confession. Um, but then when I went off to seminary and learned that uh, Anglicanism actually doesn't view confession as necessary for absolution from mortal sins, that always really bothered me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that was ironically one of the kind of things that started really making me question uh, whether or not I could remain Anglican is that you know, I, I thought about how, um, you know, in, in the letter of First John where, I mean, it literally says, like, there are sins that are mortal, that, that are deadly, um, and then there are sins that are not deadly. And so if I'm walking around with sins that are deadly on me <laughs> and I don't even know if uh, my church requires me to go to confession to get them absolved, you know, does that mean I'm getting absolved of my sins? I don't know. And so that, that was something that really bothered me in seminary to learn that. Um, and so ironically, you know, I, I started to, to study the Catholic view uh, of that, and I started yearning for priestly absolution for, um, you know, true uh, absolution from a priest you know, in person, knowing that he was uh, enacting the ministry of the church and its power to forgive sins right. given to them by Jesus. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that would be, I, I would probably feel the same way. At least that's what I would like to think. Um, that's, I mean, I... I remember being like, cause I had to give a pretty lengthy first confession cause I had been baptized several years before, um, when I was converting. And I remember being like extremely excited. Like I was like, let's do it today. Like, let's go. Like when they're like, okay, we'll do it during Lent. I was like, well, but why don't we do it now? Like I've got, I've got things to confess. Cause yeah, I mean, once it's, <laughs> once you realize what it is and you, you don't just have it available, it's like you want it right away. Right. Yeah, I actually, I, in my last meeting with my spiritual director, I asked him if I could uh, have his permission to start going to confession more often, because uh, he had been kind of setting a, a schedule for me, and, and he said that was fine. He was, you know, basically like, don't get scrupulous on me. But uh, yeah, I mean, when you know that you're receiving grace uh, upon grace, like, why would you not get excited about that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I was, I went, like, I would say probably five years in between confessions one time. And when I, when I went back, I was just like, man, I need to just keep going. Cause it really is, you really get past all the guilt and embarrassment and realize that whatever's happening is more important than you're feeling bad about yourself. But, um, so then what's the, 
the process to be ordained in the Anglican church, uh, is that like a seven year, is it kind of mirror what we have going on in Catholicism? Is it like a seven year thing? Um, no, it's, uh, so essentially the way it worked in my diocese was I did a year of discernment, uh, at home in the parish and, uh, you know, had there was a committee at the parish who got set up to interview me about whether or not they wanted to recommend me to the bishop. And then I went through a series of interviews at the diocese, and the bishop um, then signed off on me to go off to the seminary. And then once you're once you've sort of made it to the seminary, it's a three-year degree, a master's of divinity, and then they typically will ordain you either in the middle of your senior year to the diaconate or right when you graduate. Okay. So. I was, yeah, I graduated divinity school in um, May 2017 and then was ordained transitional deacon in June 2017. Okay. Uh, oh, so that was pretty, wow. So the the turnaround on Catholicism was pretty quick after that. What, about a year or so? Yeah, I was a transitional deacon for 10 months. Uh, I was meant to be ordained priest in the Episcopal Church on January 6th of this year, so about a year ago. Um, and uh, in about October of last year, I told my bishop that I could not uh, make those vows in good conscience and asked him um, basically to relinquish me from that obligation to become a priest. Um, so, yeah, and then I left my parish. So I, so, I, so I stayed on as a deacon as I continued to kind of wrestle with my conversion mm-hmm. and uh, left my parish just in May of this year and, and was received into the church in July. Wow, and in less than a year later, you're already on the world's foremost Catholic podcast with millions and millions of listeners. Did you ever, did you ever think it would turn out for you like this? You know, never in my wildest dreams could I have imagined such uh, statures of dignity. Yep. Straight to the top, you know. Straight to the top. Okay. Yeah. So the big one here, as far as the uh, the Eucharist, um, what what was what was your thoughts before, and what have you what have you kind of learned or discovered, or what? Uh, I guess we can either before that. I guess a lead in would be what was, was there a, was there a sacrament that was a driving force behind your conversion or was it just kind of an all encompassing thing that drove you towards Catholicism? Yeah, well, it was a lot of different things. Um, I think the sacraments definitely had a large part to play. I, I certainly, um, as I studied, uh, the history of the English reformation and, got my hands on apostolic curé, uh, began to question the sacrament of holy orders, um, Mm -hmm. which uh, I, you know, I wanted to know that the ordination that I had received was valid, and uh, I began to question that. Um, The Holy Eucharist is obviously, you know, the, the source and summit of the Christian life, and I really wanted to know that what I was doing on Sundays in my job as a transitional deacon uh, administering the host that uh, what I believed to be a priest had consecrated. I wanted to know that that was true and valid, and those questions dogged me, I mean, every night. Uh, I Very shortly after I was ordained uh, deacon, I started waking up 
you know, in the middle of the night, just about every night in like cold sweats, wondering if what I was doing was real. Wow. And, um, could just sort of sense the, the Lord calling me to, to mother church, knowing I, I, I needed the knowledge that, um, what I was doing was real or, or rather that I could be a part of something that was real without question. Uh, and I came to believe that only the Catholic church had that to offer. So, yeah, I mean, I think, um, you know, uh, there's something to um, administering bread and wine to people every Sunday in a Protestant congregation and not knowing whether or not that was actually the body of Christ. Um, that will kind of mess with you. <laughs> yeah. And I knew for certain that the Catholic Church had the body and, and, and blood of Christ. And so I wanted to be where that was. That's crazy. That's, yeah, that's yeah. powerful. So I remember having that same thing with the, with Holy Communion when I was Methodist is I was like, well, you know, um, in the Catholic Church, they believe it's you know physically and truly the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Christ. And people were like, well, you're allowed to believe that as a Methodist if that's what you want. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like, well, okay, sure. But like, that's, that doesn't make it true. And so, right. uh, you know, that was a big quandary. Also, have we named all seven sacraments yet? Have at it, Zach. Okay, no, it's on our guest. We quiz the guests. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Okay, so the seven sacraments, you've got baptism, confirmation, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Holy Eucharist or Holy Communion. Yeah. Yep. You got confession, mm-hmm. holy orders, holy, holy matrimony. Orders becoming ordained. Yeah, becoming ordained, holy matrimony or marriage, and uh, the anointing of the sick with oil. Yeah, or extreme Seven. unction, as we like to call it. Yeah, unction, holy unction. Unction is a yeah. fantastic. All right, those word. are the seven. Yeah, what a. So, as far as Anglicanism, is there what are, are those pretty much the seven of there? Or you, some might be disputed, or there might be some discussion about what yeah. what are the sacraments? Yeah, so they they recognize uh, what they call two dominical sacraments, which by that they mean uh, they know they're from the Lord. So that's baptism and the Eucharist, mm-hmm. and then five they. It's funny, in the Book of Common Prayer, I think it says there are five things commonly called sacraments, okay. um, and then they list the other five, but it's, you know, you could be an Anglican and not believe in the other five, and I just fine. So it's not, there's not a clear teaching there. Interesting. Yeah. That's... Although they still do them. I mean, there's still, you know, the anointing of the sick, and obviously you can still get married in an Episcopal church and all of those things, but it's mm-hmm. not clear that those are, uh, you know, officially sacraments uh, in the same way that we say here in the church. What was the what was the view of grace, and what is the view of grace in the Anglican Church as far as receiving grace from the sacraments or grace from the thing? Is there is there grace attached to these things? Yeah, so Anglicanism, yeah, again, it's it's similar. Um, it's the they'll say that the, the sacraments are means of grace, um, and then you can sort of within Anglicanism dispute what that means. Um, so there will be more sort of reformed kind of Calvinist types of Anglicans who might get kind of nervous about uh, what St. Thomas would say is uh, that, that the the instrument 
instrumentalization mm-hmm. of uh, the sacraments. So whereas in the Catholic Church, we're happy to sort of say the, the sacraments um, are instruments of grace, that they affect what they signify. Um, some Anglicans wouldn't necessarily like that language. They would take a more sort of um, spiritualist kind of view, that it's all sort of internal, um, and that the the sacraments, the signs, are just sort of occasions of something that's only happening uh, spiritually. But then you'll have Anglicans who are very high church, very sort of uh, Catholic in their theology, who are happy to just sort of say, yeah, transubstantiation is true, um, the sacraments are instruments, uh, whatever Catholics believe, I believe. So, yeah, there's it's just a really broad, broad spectrum there. So, yeah. very nice. We couldn't be happier to have you in the Catholic Church now. Um, <laughs> and uh, as far as I know, you brought your, your wife and children with you. Yes, yeah. Not so to the we, podcast, but to the Catholic Church. They are not here on the podcast, although you might uh, hear some crying in the background if my daughters wake up. So, they, they might end up on the podcast, but... Um, yes. Yeah, we, we all came into the church on the same day, July 3rd of this year. So we, we kind of hit the sacramental grand slam, as it were. We did confession, first communion, uh, confirmation, and then our daughter Mary was baptized all on the same day. Wow. Oh, man. It's yeah. too much grace for one family. That was a lot of grace that day for this family. It was a good day. Did you, ha- awesome. did you have your marriage recognized in the church, too? Or... We did not. Mm-hmm. Um, we were told by uh, our pastor, essentially, that uh, since we were both baptized Christians and were married in a church by a Christian pastor, that the, the church sort of defaults to um, recognizing that marriage. So okay. we did not have it. We didn't, we didn't have anything done. Maybe we should. I don't know. But, yeah. Well, no, the only issue there would be like if you if one of you was the second spouse or if either of you had been Catholic and you, you like did some kind of weird, sketchy marriage thing. I mean, in your case, yeah, I mean, that's a marriage. Um, right. And being baptized makes it a sacrament. So, yeah. Yeah. You married. Yeah. We've got the Roman Circus podcast stamp of approval on the marriage. Hold on. Let them know. Yeah, no, the can't beat it. The best thing to do is get two single guys to approve your marriage. That's, uh, I think, that's how it works. <laughs> that, that's that's how you know. That's how you know you're doing good if two single guys with no prospects of marriage anytime soon are like, "Yeah, you're married. Good job." Yeah, well, I'll take it. Um, do you feel like uh, I don't. This is going to be a weird question, but I I think it'll come out correct but do you feel like a certain draw to a particular sacrament over one or the other like it do was there one when you were when you were in the seminary that you were looking forward to or one that after you converted that you get you all jacked up to read about or think about yeah i mean I guess this, you know, who wouldn't say this, but obviously uh, Holy Communion, um, knowing that the body, blood, soul, and divinity of our Lord are available to me uh, is pretty, pretty fantastic. And I, um, you know, I think back my first year of seminary, I studied at this very, very high Anglican uh, seminary in the middle of nowhere in Wisconsin called Neshota House, and it is modeled after a Benedictine monastery. And so, it's um, very, you know, everyone's wearing cassocks. There's uh, sung matins and vespers all week and mass every day. 
and they would they actually do benediction of the blessed sacrament once a week on wednesday nights and so i mean i it was there that uh i that sounds like matt's parents house uh matt your parents should start a seminary uh that would be wonderful i would attend (laughs) um yeah, so I mean, I kind of fell in love with uh, what I then believed to be, um, you know, the the Blessed Sacrament at seminary. So some of the most, you know, kind of mystical, uh, if you will, moments in my spirituality have been um, simply just like genuflecting to uh, what I now know was not even, um, you know, what the church would recognize as uh, the body, blood, soul, and divinity. Uh, and the host, because um, obviously Anglicans, uh, we don't recognize their orders as valid, but I still count some of those moments as deeply mystical and spiritual for me, just um, being able to venerate our Lord in person. Sure. Uh, I can't I can't really imagine, um, you know, anything better to do with my life. <laughs> and so now becoming Catholic and being able to any day of the week that I want to, to walk into an adoration chapel or to go to a daily mass and to have that uh deep encounter, that personal encounter with the Lord, um, you know, it's, it's just kind of mind-blowing to me. So, and having been raised Southern Baptist, uh, you know, again, where it's, I mean, hyper anti-sacramental, uh, you know, I never dreamed that this would be an opportunity to me, uh, that, that I would be allowed to, to have such intimate uh, communion with the Lord. Uh, yeah, it's still kind of, I don't know, gives me gives me goosebumps. That's amazing. I like it when people come on here and say things that Zach and I can't possibly add to because it gives us like a a good segue into um, the question of where can people find you on, on Twitter? Where can they reach out to you? <laughs> yes, you can reach out to me on Twitter uh, at Shea Gilliland. That's S-H-E-A. G I L L I L A N D. Mm-hmm. Um, my name on Twitter is Dad Orientum uh, Catholic Flag. Yeah, I like that. It means that's you're, a good pun on Ad Orientum. You're always facing. Are you always facing east whenever you do anything that has to do with being a dad? I, no, I just only tweet facing east. So <laughs> okay. anytime I'm about to tweet, I make sure and face east so that I'm consistent with my name. <laughs> That's good. We don't want to mis mislead people here on the podcast. No, we don't want that. Zach, any closing thoughts for day seven? Um, I mean, everyone better keep partying. It's still Christmas, and <laughs> you know, if we're trying to turn people Catholic, they need to see how much fun we can have. So, watch a Christmas movie, turn on some Christmas music. I'm going to eat some Christmas cookies as soon as we're done with this podcast. And uh, yep, keep doing it. Awesome. Shay, thank you for coming on. It's been great. Um, it's fun to fun to talk Anglicanism versus Catholicism with you. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. Uh, I guess go team Catholicism. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, yes, we'll, go team. We'll get those we'll get those sweatshirts printed up and you can find them in the Roman circus store at some <laughs> point. All yes, right. I want one of those. And I want a sticker too. Oh, okay. I'll uh, we'll take care of that as soon as I hit stop. All right, <laughs> All thanks, right. guys. Have a good night. Have See you. Good night. Night.